everybody. Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. It is Tuesday, June 11th. Oh my goodness. That means it's my anniversary. I'm Will Brinson. So excited to be spending the, uh, was it eight, eight years? I think eight years since I got married with two of my good friends, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner McGuff. We, this is the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. We are going to cover the NFC West over-unders and also hit some uh, mini-camps and things of that nature, news around the NFL. Very slow time in the NFL right now, guys. So slow, I didn't see a single story written on Sunday. I guess Sean must have been slacking. That was me. Um, I was alone with my child. There was T-ball involved. Uh, you know, lots of stuff going on. My so wife, what would you have done if they had been breaking news and you were on the T-ball field yelling at those four-year-olds? I would have left the field and gone and written something in my car. I take my laptop everywhere, everywhere with me in case something breaks. And if it does, I'll jump on it. But you know, if there's not, I mean, like, there's not, like, Sean, we're, we're recording this on a Monday at like two o'clock and Sean has just started his shift. You're going to be pretty disappointed when you see the news, like, flying around the NFL. Cause it is, uh, it's minimal, pal. Oh, I thought you were saying something was breaking right now that I was going to have to cover as soon as we got off. No, I would, uh, that would be hilarious though. Um, let's go over some stuff to watch. From, there's 23 teams starting minicamp today. Whee! Uh, I would say the most important thing that happened, we talked about the NFC South last week, but Cam Newton is going to throw at the Panthers minicamp. Ryan Wilson, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big a deal is it that Cam is already throwing the football? Man, that's a 10. Uh, I worked Saturday, and I actually wrote about it because it was news and newsworthy. Because, uh, so, and you were working. I yeah, would have written working. about that yesterday. I was writing about it today, but freaking Wilson already wrote about it. Shoulder surgery in January. He missed the last two games of the regular season because uh, he couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. Um, that team started 6-2, and two, I believe. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they lost the last six, I think. They had, a, they had a crappy run towards the end of the season. A big part of that was having a quarterback, former MVP, who couldn't throw the ball overhand. So, yeah, this is a huge deal because everything goes through Cam. Um, it starts with fixing the offensive line after his shoulder's ready to go, and, and they tried to address that in the offseason. They drafted Will Greer in the third round. He ain't the long-term answer um, in a post-Cam world. So, yeah, it's a huge deal. I mean, that team has a chance to, to be really good. In fact, the, the Falcons can be good. The um, Panthers can be good when you know the Saints are really good. Now it's just a matter of whether Bruce Arians can fix Jameis Winston. Panthers 6-2. and two, Go to Pittsburgh on a Thursday night. Lose 52-21. to 21. I think that Cam actually got hurt the next week against Detroit, but they he lost. He played terribly in that game. He threw a pick he was, six, he, not, a terrible yeah. pick six in that game just off the top of my head. He did not play well in that game. He took a beating, if I recall correctly. So I don't know if he was hurt then, but his feelings were definitely hurt after that. Actually, game. he may have been hurt on the, on the pick six when he was trying to make a tackle on the, uh, on the run back. But, uh, at any rate, he got, he got hurt about that time. The Panthers would lose seven straight games and then would beat the, uh, Saints in a meaningless week 17 game in which they won 33 to 14 and finished seven and nine. This is a, I would say this, I don't, I don't know if it's 10. Like I know I gave the scales one to 10. I would say it's a 12 because, or maybe a 13 because Cam Newton to me is the most pivotal player in the NFC South. He will change the fortunes of multiple teams because of the matchups that they have. And he will change, you know, change the fortunes of Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, and a whole bunch of coaches and, and players for the Carolina Panthers if he is able to play and if he is healthy enough to play. So uh, a very huge deal, Sean. Yeah. And by the way, he was so hurt last year that it kind of flew under the radar because it didn't come out till after. 
he said he couldn't throw the ball 30 yards downfield. Um, and I actually think if you look at the stats, I don't think he completed a single pass 30 yards downfield over the course of the season, in large part because he just didn't attempt them because they weren't calling it for that because they knew he couldn't generate the power. So uh, it's, it's funny because on yesterday's podcast, which we recorded last week, when we were talking about the NFC South ranking first in the quarterback um, rankings, um, how so much depended on Cam Newton's shoulder and health. And just last week, we were kind of skeptical about how healthy it would be. And then in a matter of a few days, it seems like things are progressing in the right direction that, I don't know, it seems like this isn't going to be an Andrew Luck type of situation. It seems like he's going to be fine by week one. You would hope so. Um, this Certainly, and as Jordan Rodriguez pointed out in this very podcast last week, really good episode, go check that out. Uh, Cam did not have the fully invasive uh, surgery that he had the last time. This was a scope, a cleanup. And so hopefully it will not be uh, nearly as big a deal. Would you uh would you pick the Panthers to win the division or would you say or I think the Falcons, the Panthers and the Saints are all in the mix. I think it starts with the Saints and then uh you're playing for for the second place. And you know, anything can happen, but from the from the perspective of the middle of June, that's how I like it. I don't have any faith in Jameis Winston. I have more faith in Bruce Arians, but I don't know if they can fix all that in the matter of a few months. But uh yeah, look, that team in 2015, would they go? 14 and 2 or something when they went to the Super Bowl? 15 and 1, man. Oh, they were? Wow. And Cam Remember was, all the articles about how they were like the worst 15 and one team, team in history. Yeah. And Cam was the MVP. I, I mean, yeah, that team, this team could certainly be really good. And just more proof that you have to have a franchise quarterback to be successful. And, you know, getting Cam back obviously helps. Also, the Falcons, meanwhile, they draft two offensive linemen in the first round to protect Matt Ryan. Again, a really, really good quarterback. So uh, I think those three teams are, are potentially three playoff teams for the same division. The Panthers, by the way, have been doing this type of thing where they go 12 and 4, 7 and 8, 1, 15 and 1, 6 and 10, 11 and 5, 7 and 9. So if you buy into that bounce back, um, they've been doing it throughout Cam Newton's entire run pretty much. They have indeed. Um, the Houston Texans have actually been pretty consistent the last few years, but that didn't stop them from firing their general manager on Friday. Brian Gaines shown the door 18 months after he was hired. And so, I mean, look, I, I don't want to use overuse the word shocking, but anytime a GM is fired in June, I consider it pretty shocking because you've made it all the way through the offseason and he's constructed your team and now you're kicking him out the door before that team plays any football. Uh, gain out in Houston. Bill O'Brien wins yet another power struggle and, uh, Nick Casario, the odds on favorite or at least the, the preferential choice of Houston, the Texans to replace Brian Gain. Ryan Wilson, you wrote about Brian Gain being fired or did you write about Nick Casario? as a possible replacement. One of those two things, I think. Breach wrote about the firing on Friday night. On Saturday, I wrote about Casario being uh, the front runner. The uh, The thing is, 18 months ago, that's who the, the Texans wanted initially, but the Patriots said uh, no on the interview request to Casario, so he stayed in New England. Also, another link, he and, uh, and uh, Bob, Bill O'Brien, were boys back in the day when they were both in, in New England, where O'Brien was the quarterback coach. I think... Was he the OC before Josh McGeon came back? I can't remember, but he was definitely working closely with Tom Brady. Uh, yes, before he, went he was. To take, yeah, before he went to take the Penn State job. So they're boys, and he actually said 18 months ago how much, he, how close they were. Uh, he didn't say any more than that because Casario was under contract with the Patriots, but the, the reports are, uh, I think John McClain reported this, in fact, from the Houston Chronicle, that uh, Casario's the front runner. Uh, that said, they've also, or they plan to anyway, interview Ray Farmer. He of <laughs> texting from the press box fame that got him suspended. And Martin, and so Martin Mayhew. 
And Martin, Martin, Martin Mayhew, former Lions executive who is now in San Francisco. The two things those men have in common, they are African-American. You can draw your own conclusions. I, I suspect that if Casario is allowed to get out of his deal, he will reunite with Bill O'Brien, but we'll have to see. And that he will only reunite with Bill O'Brien after one of those African-Americans is interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think Nick Casario should take this job, Sean? If he's allowed to fire Bill O'Brien after a season. I mean, at what point is this – like, why, well, why he, would you want to take the job he and Bill, Bill O'Brien as your coach? He and Bill O'Brien are like best friends. I'm aware, but why – you can be best friends, but why would you want to be a GM for a terrible coach that is getting every GM fired um, who he works with? Bill O'Brien's got a pretty good record. It's fine. He had like three nine and seven years in a row, and because of that, his record looks – his record looks pretty good because he won the division twice, I think, in that span because he's, the AFC South was terrible. He's, That's also he's been good. there five years. He has three nine and seven season and one eleven and five season and a four and twelve year in which his his star rookie quarterback tore his ACL. To, re, been, to recount, uh, to recap, excuse me, Sean hates Bill O'Brien and Sean McDermott, two really successful coaches. Oh, I, I, I like Bill O'Brien a lot better than Sean McDermott. I you think, just said you wanted. They're, they're, they're not. They're not even in the same tier, though. People hate Bill. People hate on Bill O'Brien, and he is. I mean, he's forty-two and thirty-eight, which is not some mind-blowing. Um, Thank you. It's pretty good. It's above five hundred. Fine. It's fine. It's above five hundred. He has two division titles, and he's been in the okay, playoffs the three times. Okay, but the division titles came after nine win years, or at least one of them did, or two of them did. I mean, you, you've been to the playoffs with Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer. You're, he doesn't have a say in what quarterbacks he's bringing in. He's alleged quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru. I he he picked like Ryan didn't he pick Ryan Mallett to win the quarterback battle at one point over Ben He's made some questionable decisions. <laughs> like what? Did you hold these single quarterback decisions over coaches more than anybody I've ever seen? Do you remember it's gonna be like twenty now, it's but be this like, one is more understandable because the alternative is, is like Brian Hoyer. It's, gonna be like, it's, it's, it's not as bad as the Nathan Peterman. It's gonna be like twenty seventy five and Sean's gonna be in like a rocking chair on an old folks retirement. Like, Do you remember that time McDermott pulled or like started Nathan Peterman against the Chargers. It's like like Sean McDermott's in the Hall of Fame. He's got like five Super Bowls. Sean's still like, Do you remember that time he yanked uh Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman? That was my old nerd voice. That's the voice. Yep. Um <laughs> anyway, look, I anybody who comes to the Texans now is doing so in and they will be working closely with Bill O'Brien, who has the owner's ear. Like he's running things there. So that's, so Ryan, I'll ask you the same thing that I asked Sean and then Sean answered it in a weird way. Uh, do you, should, no, I would not, I, I would not take it. Okay. Should Nick Casario leave the Patriots and take this job? If he is comfortable with working with Bill O'Brien, who, as we've just said numerous times, they're boys. Absolutely. You have to figure out the, um, the breakdown of responsibilities in terms of how much does he say, does he have on personnel decisions? I think that's, we don't know, but I think that's what got Brian Gain in trouble, that um, the reports are he was better personnel guy than a general manager, which requires a lot of other micromanagement-type job responsibilities. So if Casario is fine with that, then absolutely. There's also – so I can't remember the guy's name. It was in the story that I wrote, but uh, the Texans hired a, a former executive out of New England who is also close with Casario, and he will have some say reportedly. I think that NFL Network reported this. Uh, in the, the hiring process. So that's, I think his name's Easterby, maybe. 
Yeah, Jack Jack Usherly, who's the former chaplain with the Patriots, and the Amen uh, that brother, and uh, and like uh, what was his title with the Patriots? It's something like uh, a char- uh, character development. Like he was like right. a, like they always show him with pictures like Josh Gordon. He's like hyping dudes up, and now he's the like VP of executive football operations or something like right. that with the Texans. He got a big uh, title bump when he moved from New England to uh, Houston. So, yeah, the report is he's not going to be in the running for the GM job, obviously, but he will have some say. And I would imagine, again, uh, you get three, get two New England guys together, they're going to look for another New England guy, and that New England guy most likely will be Casario. And if the Patriots let him out of it, absolutely. Why wouldn't you take that job? I, I think it also depends on, like, how long does Nick Casario think that Bill Belichick is going to be coaching there? And if he – I mean, like, you've got a great gig going, but, you know, you know like Adam Humphrey says, who knows how long this thing's going to last. Um Elsewhere in the NFL, I, I would, I would, I would take the job because I would want to prove I could do it on my own. But uh, speaking of speaking of the Patriots, by the way, uh, they canceled their final uh, final week of OTAs. No days off, more like seven days off. Or two. Slap in the face to the a, the rest of the AFC East is what that is. <laughs> Those guys um, are toiling away. Just Bill Belichick making fun of the Jets, the Bills. And uh, who's the other team? No, the Dolphins. Who's the other team? Who's the other team? Uh, They conducted just five of their allotted ten OTA practices, and they went through a three-day mini camp last week. Uh, Does this? I don't. I don't really care about. I mean, like, I just think it's interesting because it's the Patriots and they're doing something different. I think it is worth noting that right now they have Joe Tooney working out at left tackle, which is not where he plays, and it says something about maybe the health of their offensive line. And so I almost wonder if they wouldn't be willing to say, let's bag this. Let's get these guys, let these guys get some time off. Let them get healthy. Let them enjoy the next few days. We're not going to gain anything major from doing this. Is there any chance that's the, the issue? I mean, it's an old team, like not in a bad way, but like a lot of veterans there that I don't think they need five practices in which you can't really practice. Um, it's not like real football. So I just. Wouldn't you just rather let everyone get healthy? And, um, I mean, they can still do mental work. I don't, did they cancel? Like, do they still, can they still meet in the facility or is, are they literally just on vacation? Either way, look, if Bill Belichick does something, I don't think we're going to question it. Yeah. I mean, the Patriots conducted mandatory minicamp last week, canceling the final two days of OTAs. So it's this week. They canceled a week, but it's really just two days off. Um, in the aftermath, suggests Bill Belichick was pleased with the work they got in this offseason. The Patriots scheduled seven out of their possible ten. After canceling their final two, they totaled five OTAs and three days of minicamp. Uh, the next time we'll see him is in late July for training camp. I mean, yes. I mean, they drafted Yannick Adjust in the third round. He's a left tackle. He was injured. So maybe he's not healthy. And, you know, Tooney gets some work outside. He ain't going to play there, I would imagine. If he does, he'll be a, a pro bowler, of course. But yeah, I mean, it's, who cares? It's July. I mean, it's June. Yeah. You got your six Super Bowl rings. Go fishing. Um, the, uh, Jaguars, no such luck. They, uh, I believe this was just happened, just came down right before we started, uh, recording, but, uh, via Adam Schefter, a statement from Yannick Ngakwe, defensive end who was not on your top 25, under 25, Sean. Just missed the cut. Just, just missed the cut. Back. Honorable mention. And he said, I will quote, I will not be attending minicamp as Sean left me off his list. I am perturbed oh, yeah. and I would, uh, as my contract has not been resolved. I remain committed to Jacksonville, the fans and my teammates. My hope is to be with Jacksonville for years to come. 
Uh, and as noted by Fields, Field Yates of ESPN, the most sacks among players drafted in the 2016 draft, Yannick Ngakwe, number one, 29 and a half, followed by Joey Bosa, Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, and Matt Judon. So this is a guy with a lot of sacks and a big key piece of their defense. And he's basically saying, I want, where's my money, son? That kind of, that, uh, the, the statement he released sounds a lot like what Telvin Smith said. And then Telvin Smith took a year off to, to deal with some off-field stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, it, it probably doesn't matter. Like, we're just saying it's June. Who cares? These guys rarely hold out, but Jacksonville is already, like, when Telvin Smith wasn't at, um, voluntary OTAs, we were like, oh, it's not a big deal. Who cares? He's working out on his own. And then it ends up he's taking the year off. And I'm not saying this is the same thing, but y- Yannick, maybe, maybe we shouldn't dismiss it as, you know, typical June guy staying away from practices that don't even matter. But no. I mean, if, they can't afford to be without him if they're already without Telvin Smith. And I know they drafted Josh Allen, so they, they definitely got some support on the edge. Uh, but he's probably their best pass rusher. I would like to offer this counterpoint from uh, Phil Fan at jhit3 on Twitter, who read my AFC North, uh, or AFC South, excuse me, over under piece and listened to the podcast and would like, to, he would like a rebuttal. Dude, you're crazy wrong about the Jags and Nick Foles. Do you know anything about Nick? If you did, you would have picked the over on eight wins. I see 10-11 wins and AFC Championship game where he'll take Brady down again. I see wow. a wins. I see a wins Foles Super Bowl game will be a toss up. So at least he's willing to concede. He doesn't know what's going to happen in the last game. But he's got the rest of it mapped out. Quite the fanfic. I, yeah, got, I don't know who's going to win that Super Bowl, but trust me, the Jaguars <laughs> will win 10 or 11 games. And he's already got who they're playing. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I eight know. wins would be a, would be a masterful job by Doug Marone. Yeah. And look, I, I do think it's important to note that last I checked, Jalen Ramsey still hadn't been paid. Right. I mean, like, are we sure he's not going to say, Hey, where's my money? I mean, Yannick Ngakwe wants to be paid. Miles Jack probably wants to be paid. He, he had suffered a debilitating injury that cost him millions of dollars in his final year of college. That's going to be an interesting one. And yeah, and so Yannick Ngakwe and Telvin Smith are gone. And then they have the, you know, they lost Malik Jackson. They got Marcel Darius. I mean, there's, I don't know. It's an older team and a team. It's, it's a team that's either older on defense or a team that wants to get paid. I would be a little concerned if I was the Jaguars. At least Ngakwe, though, is going to be first in line, though, because I think he's a free agent in 2020. Yes. Ramsey, at least, it is until 2021, and 2020, he's getting paid almost $14 million. So at least, but you're right, next offseason is going to be Ramsey's offseason for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, if they, they have to take care of – that's their problem. They have to take care of Yannick this offseason. Which... Is, there, is there a chance Tom Coughlin doesn't like Jalen Ramsey's – Smack talking and all this stuff, and he lets him lets him go, or does something yes. funny. Like I could see a guy like Coughlin being like the no nonsense, not liking how he's not there with the team. Yeah, and... yeah. that's that's Tom Coughlin, all right. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I don't know that Tom Coughlin. I don't think Tom. I think here's the thing though: is if the Jaguars are good enough that Tom Coughlin keeps his job, then they'll want to just pay Jalen Ramsey. And if they're bad enough, where like if, they, if they're not good, then Tom Coughlin won't be making the Jalen Ramsey call next offseason See, anyway. This is why they shouldn't have signed Foles and they should have drafted a quarterback because instead of having all this cap face to a middling, inconsistent quarterback, uh, you he's have a guy beat in Brady his rookie again. Didn't you hear What's Phil? Up? Didn't you hear Phil fan three? He's going to beat Brady again. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 okay. Well, in that alternate universe, 
Um, the one that we're currently living in, Foles isn't going to win 10 games. And then you're paying this quarterback. He's, he's overpaid. And now you suddenly have all these other drafted players who have exceeded expectations you need to get paid. And the only way teams are able to keep those cores together is if they have a cheap quarterback. And the it seems like the Jaguars, I mean, they could have had Haskins if they wanted him. And it, I'm not, they had a good draft. I like their draft, but it seems like this is going to be a problem. They're not going to be able to pay everyone now. Yes. And they don't have a quarterback. We'll see how Foles does, but, uh, make or break here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Make a bigger maybe for a lot of teams in the end. Actually, the 49ers are a team that you consider. It's an interesting NFC West division. Last year's Super Bowl loser, the team with the first pick in Kyler Murray, uh, a franchise quarterback coming off a season ending injury in Jimmy Garoppolo. And of course, Russell Wilson. After the break, we will break down the over-unders for every single NFC West team. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H track all wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, so the NFC West, a fascinating division, of course. Uh, we'll start at the top. Ooh, by the way, more news in terms of people who won't show up in the AFC South, just really quickly. We talked about the Texans. Jadavion Clowney not expected to attend the uh, Texans offseason workouts. No surprise. He's on a franchise tag. Fortunately, fortunately, he can just hammer out a deal with their GM. I was just going to say, sounds like a good time to have a GM around. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> there is no GM. Um, let's start with the Los Angeles Rams. They are the uh, defending NFC West champions. One of the best bets of the entire season last year. They're like minus 150 to win the division, and they absolutely cruised. To, to take it down. Their over under is a stunning guys. Ten and a half wins. It's a lot. Um, I think when you look at the Rams, the, as a whole, like nothing is too scary in terms of what they sort of lost or like added or lost. I mean, Indomitian Sue is a big piece that they lost. Um, Todd Gurley's situation is certainly concerned. To me, the one thing that stands out more than anything is they're going to have three new pieces on an offensive line that's been the backbone of this run game, and uh, they're not paying Jared Goff this offseason either. So it tells me that they still have questions there. Clay Matthews, um, uh, they also added Eric Weddle, big-name older guys. I look at their schedule, and I think this is a team that could come back to earth and maybe even miss the playoffs. 
I'm with you under. I mean, I'm on the I'm on the Seahawks bandwagon. Have been for weeks. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sold on Jared Goff. I, I think we talked about it a couple times in recent weeks. You put him in Sean McVay's offense and he takes off, and, and that's more, I think, to do with Sean McVay than Jared Goff. I don't think Jared Goff's a bad player, but I'm not sold that he's a franchise quarterback. You just pointed out, Wilbur, that he's not getting paid this offseason. We just saw Carson Wentz get paid. I don't think there are many people um, that would take Goff over Wentz. I, I know I certainly wouldn't. And, um, you know, I, I think it makes sense to, to not rush that. And I wouldn't be surprised this team went 9-7 and seven somehow. They could certainly win even 10-6. They're not going to get the over 10.5. So, yeah, that's a lot to ask. Yeah, I take the under two. I don't think – I'm not going as far as Brinson saying I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they could win the division with – with 10 wins, but they won 13 games last year. But if you look at their expected win loss total, it was 10.9. So already mm. they were kind of hovering around 10.5. I think they got worse this offseason simply with the Todd Gurley situation. It definitely seems like we're not going to see the version of Todd Gurley we've seen the last couple of years. And then to me, it's, it's about the offensive line. And it's from, for me with Jared Goff, it's not even as much as Sean McVay. It's if he's well protected, it can sit back there and step into his throws. Uh, I think he's great. And if the second he has a crowded pocket, um, he's not as bad as like the Derek Carr, but it's that type of thing where he doesn't step into his throws. Uh, he loses confidence. And we saw that in December when he had to play a lot of tough defenses in a row. And then we saw that in the playoffs. Uh, so I'll take the under. I still think they could win the division though. By the way, uh, speaking of Derek Carr, we love Derek Carr on this podcast. Uh, did you see football outsiders newest article? The adjusted, adjusted interceptions. Derek Carr had 10 interceptions in real life and 20 adjusted interceptions. <laughs> By far the, uh, the biggest, the biggest like luck rate out there. Um, actually second though was Patrick Mahomes and third was Aaron Rodgers. That's, this is how you get to Patrick Mahomes regression. But, uh, Derek Carr, very lucky last year. Uh, I mentioned that, that article because sixth on the list is Jared Goff who had 12 interceptions and uh, 18 adjusted interceptions, meaning he was very lucky in terms of passing the ball and not having interceptions, get, not having balls get picked off, et cetera, et cetera. And I really think that if this offensive line isn't that good, and if Todd Gurley isn't Todd Gurley, that you can see Jared, Jared Goff struggle. I would also point out, too, that defensively, they weren't that good last year. They're like 18th in DVOA. They were really bad against the run. They lost in Dominican Sue. Um, you know, it's a team that looks better in name value with Clay Matthews and Weddle, but those guys are both old. Akeem Tlaib's older. Um, Marcus Peters is in a weird contract situation. They don't want to pay him. They still don't have a great pass rusher, even though they brought back Dante Fowler. Uh, Aaron Donald's a superstar, don't get me wrong, but and I love Michael Brockers. I, I just think that the defense is a little long in the tooth, and when you look at their schedule, they're at Panthers, Saints at home, at Browns, Buccaneers at home, at Seahawks, 49ers at home, at Falcons, and Bengals at home. I think they could easily go 5-3 and three in that stretch. But if they don't, their schedule is brutal. They play the Cardinals twice on the back half of it, but Steelers, Bears, Ravens, Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers. It's a, it's a first-place schedule, and if they're not a dominant team and Jared Goff struggles, I think they could go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. And 9-7, and seven, you could miss the playoffs easily. So that's where I'm at. Uh, yep. Also, I will say this. Um, I'm going under on 1,000 yards for Todd Gurley. <laughs> Is that a joke or is that? No, 100%. What are you laughing about? I think that's fair. Is, is the over under a thousand? It's going to be like 750. Oh, you weren't that. I thought that was, that was a reasonable. I, I, if, if there is a, if there is a player prop out there for Todd Gurley under a thousand yards, I will also take that. So if it's 750, what do you take, Ryan? Yeah. What are you doing there? I asked you, what do you think? 
I would still take the right. over. I don't. I think he's. I think he would probably be right around a thousand if I had to guess. Okay. Which for him is a huge. I mean, he's been up from yards from scrimmage, not rushing. He's been around like two thousand the last two years. So, uh, the Seattle Seahawks love. So we all agree under on the uh, under on the Los Angeles Rams. I'm guessing I think we're all big on the Seahawks bandwagon. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing if we all like the under ten and a half on the Rams, we probably all like the over on eight and a half on the Seahawks. It's eight and a half. Eight and a half. Oh. Yeah, eight and a half minus one forty, and the under of the Rams, by the way, uh, plus one twenty for the over and minus one forty for the under. So Vegas. Well, let me let me ask you guys this: yeah. How many times do you think in the Russell Wilson era have the Seahawks won less than eight, less than eight and a half games? Zero. Did they right. go eight and eight at any point? Now nine and seven was their only playoff list season. Yeah, they've made the playoffs every single season. Russell Wilson's been there except for one, and yeah, they had a and they, and they had a shot to to and they. And they were nine and seven, right? As you just said. Yep. Yeah. And they had a shot to make the playoffs with the Cowboys. Did the Cowboys right. knock them out or did they knock the Cowboys out? It was on Christmas thought, Eve. No, they both, they both missed, I thought, in 2017. Am I misremembering? It's the Earl Thomas game where Earl Thomas came up to Jason Garrett afterwards and was like, come get me. Remember? Yeah. I, I wrote that article, but anyway, eight and a half over. I, I, I mean, I think it's like one of my best bets. Is it? Is it too obvious? People had the Seahawks were six and a half. Uh, they beat the Cowboys that year, and then oh, then Bruce Arians' final game, he knocked the knocked the Seahawks out of the playoffs. Does that does that ring a bell, anybody? Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm, so the Cowboys were the second wild card team. Uh, Who was the NFC second wild card team in 2017? So the Cowboys went. Um, I thought they both missed the playoffs, the Cowboys and the because that was they Dak's did they did they both missed year. the playoffs missed, yeah. yeah yeah the Cowboys who, went nine and seven who who was the second is, is that what you're asking I'm confused yeah it was the Panthers went eleven oh three teams from the South got yeah, in the yeah, South yeah 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 because then the Panthers lost to the Saints in the right I forgot three teams in the South Panthers lost to the Saints Eagle uh, Falcons beat the Rams and then the Falcons lost to the Eagles right. What are we doing? This is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what no, we... no, no, no. The, the, the Eagles beat the Vikings. All right, look. <laughs> we just got a tweet about how terrible the pocket. Let's, let's turn the page. Let's go over Jeez. the 2017 right. playoffs again. We don't want to do recapables of the 2017 season. Anyway, Russell Wilson, legitimate MVP candidate this year. It starts with the running game. We know Brian Schottenheimer is going to continue to run the ball. He said that last week, and it got a lot of Seahawks fans fired up. They have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. They lost Doug Baldwin. I don't think losing Doug Baldwin's going to be a huge deal. They drafted this kid, Gary Jennings, out of West Virginia, who's like a big slot receiver. He ain't going to be Doug Baldwin, but maybe he can fill the void in the middle of the field. They don't have much in terms of um, tight end help. Uh, I suspect the defense will be pretty good. They drafted LJ Collier, which is sort of a surprise pick in the first round to play defensive end after Frank Clark left. I don't – I mean, it would be a huge disappointment if this team went 9-7. The Seahawks said, and this is a Mike Silver article, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll said they get the same vibes as they did in 2013 when they won the title, meaning that it's like a team with uh, just a team that flies under the radar but is really solid. And I kind of tend to agree. I mean, they they had they could have beaten the Cowboys. The one thing that concerns me is the offensive approach by Brian Schottenheimer and whether or not he'll be stubborn enough to keep. And Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll is backs this. So like whether or not they'll be stubborn and just continue to pound the ball uh, with a great with great frequency when even when it's not working. But when you look at this offensive line, 
And they got rid of Tom Cable last year, and now all of a sudden the offensive line is great. It was one of the best units in the league last year. They have Dwayne Brown back, happy under contract, Mikey Potty, Justin Britt, DJ Fluker, Jermaine Fetty. I mean, this is, you know, they got some depth there, and I, I, I don't well, those know. Those guys are terrible last year. That's, that's, it's anti-Munchak syndrome. What do you mean they were terrible? They were terrible with Cable. Right. And and Tom then, Cable is the anti-Munchak. Yeah, Tom Cable left and this offensive line became good overnight. Like we're like, this, these players suck. What is happening? And then Cable left and they're great. And the Raiders were awesome and Cable showed up and the, and the Raiders offensive line sucked. Um, I, defensively, they've got like this collection of misfits on the front with Ziggy Ansah, Barkevius Mingo, Puna Ford, Jerron Reed's been fantastic. Like you said, LJ Collier's there. Nas Jones are really strong in the interior. Uh, Bobby Wagner's a superstar. KJ Wright. Uh, the secondary is actually really good. I mean, Trey Flowers and Shaq Griffin are two nice cornerbacks. Um, and then Bradley- they did lose Justin Coleman, though, I was going to say, yeah, who a, yeah. was one of the best slot guys last year. And yep. The Lions went and paid him. Yep. And so it's, it's not a perfect defense, but I think in this division with a schedule that is a little bit easier than, than what, like, they get they get to play the AFC North in the first seven weeks of the season. Do you think that's good or bad? I think it's kind of uh, good. I don't. Does it matter? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're going to the Northeast in the in December, that's an issue. Right. Well, they get a free win against the Bengals at home. Bengals week one, at the Steelers week two, Saints at home week three, and at the Cardinals in week four. I mean, I would. Think right. How do you feel about the Seahawks? Week two Steelers in Pittsburgh. I don't feel great about that. I mean, you don't think the 10 a.m. I, this would be a question for Breach, how the Seahawks have fared at 10 a.m. games. Well, I don't care what time it is. Russell Wilson against the Steelers defense is not something you want to see if you're a Pittsburgh (laughs) fan. If, if Devin Bush doesn't solve the run stop problems, the run stuffing problems, then they will run the ball frequently on them. Uh, Rams at home at Browns, Ravens at home at Falcons. Buccaneers at home at 49ers. I just can see them stacking up like before their week 11 by like six or seven, six wins. I mean, I just, I can just see them stacking up six wins in close games. And then you just need to get three or four more wins down the stretch. They have a tough game out of the bye. Three out of four are on the road out of the bye at Eagles, Vikings at home, at Rams, at Panthers. Then they close with the Cardinals at 49ers at home. So I mean, they have a ton of home games early on in, in before that break. I just think that the Seahawks are going to win nine or ten games. Now, they might not blow this number out of the water, but it, to me it's an easy over. I think the division probably comes down to, I mean, it seems obvious, but the head-to-head Rams-Seahawks games. And the Seahawks lost both both of the games this past season, but both of those games were probably the Rams' closest games up until the end of the year when they started to actually lose one. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks this year were able to steal both of them. Um, and that would vault them ahead because if the Seahawks win those games last year, they probably win the division. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good point. Uh, 49ers. So we're all agreement on over there, right? At eight and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah. 49ers are eight wins. Their total is eight wins. It's a slap in Russell Wilson's face that Jimmy Garoppolo is a half win less than, than the, than the, uh, than the Seahawks. With the worst roster too. Way worse roster. Yeah. Um, Hint, hint, here's what we might do on this, uh, on this particular team. Eight wins, the juice is even at minus 110 on both sides. A week four bye for the 49ers. That is not fun. And two of their first three games are on the road and their one home game is against the Steelers. That's a really tough setup. I and mean, I get, I get it's at Tampa Bay and then at Cincinnati, but 
it's not crazy if they go 0 and 3 in that stretch to start the game, to start the season. And we don't really know how this team is going to look. I like what they've done. I mean, in theory, you got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and D Ford up front. Um, you know, you add Quan Alexander. You got a decent group of linebackers. Malcolm Smith is there. Richard Sherman. Uh, you know, Jimmy, you know, we have Jimmy Ward and Adrian Colbert, oh, Adrian Colbert on the back end, Jaquiski Tart. So you got a good defense, but they haven't really ever put it together. And then I don't know that I love the offense, but if everything clicks in Kyle Shanahan's scheme, then it can be a good offense, right? Well, I mean, Jimmy GQ was okay before he got hurt three or four games last year. He wasn't great. He didn't blow, anyone out, blow anyone's mind in terms of how he played. That may have happened in October, November, had he not torn his ACL, but we didn't see it. And now he's coming off the ACL injury. We don't know how he's going to be mentally. We know last year when um, uh, Carson Wentz came off his ACL, he wasn't great. In fact, he tore his a few months after Jimmy GQ uh, in terms of the time of the year. So he actually took a month off. He didn't start the season. Nick Foles did. But there's no guarantee that Garoppolo is going to come in there and, and be – you know, light lighted on fire when we didn't see that last year. So those are concerns there. They drafted Debo Samuel in the second round. He, I like him a lot. But, again, he replaces Pierre Garçon, who's no longer there. They need a deep threat, so he helps with that. He's a four-down guy. He can turn kicks. But at the end of the day, how much does that provide you? They also drafted Jalen Hurd in the third round, who was a like 6'4 wide receiver to Baylor, was a running back before that at Tennessee. They like him as sort of a jack-of-all-trades type. But, again, he's sort of raw. He hasn't done it a lot, so we'll have to see. He's not going to come in right away and suddenly put up 1,200 yards receiving. So I think a lot of moving parts. I think one and two, 0 oh and three start isn't out of the question. And then the question becomes, where do you find those seven or eight wins? Uh, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, my biggest concern is the secondary. And I am not a big like Jimmy G fan, so that also factors in. Um, I just don't think we've seen it from him yet. It's just, it's, it's 10 games and most of what he started 10 games in screwed. And most of what people go off of is that little stretch he had for Brady during the deflate gate suspension. Um, I just don't think, I think his production in the red zone is concerning even during that five game winning streak with the 49ers. But the, the, I, I like Kyle Shanahan enough. That I think they're going to be productive and move the ball. That secondary, I think is hot garbage. And last year, they were Pro Football Focus's last-ranked secondary behind the Raiders. Their best corner is Richard Sherman, who was really good when he was healthy. Problem was, he didn't stay healthy. Um, he's got to be, what, over 30 now, 31? Uh, two years ago, he tore his Achilles. So you're betting on Richard Sherman to stay healthy, and if he's healthy, great. Who is their second-best player in the secondary? Like, I think... Witherspoon's good. They signed Jason Barrett, but he's always injured, so that's... Yeah, I mean, if, again, if Jason Barrett's healthy... Good, but he hasn't pieced together a good season since 2015, I want to say. Um, that was the only time in his career he stayed healthy. Um, I don't think Jimmy Ward's any good. Um, the hope is that the front, the front seven, what are you guys laughing at me about? The secondary is terrible. It's a slashing this is Jimmy Sean, Ward. This is the Sean McDermott of secondaries. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, look, the front, the front seven is good. Um, and, and that's gotta be the key is if you can get after the quarterback, then it doesn't, you don't have to cover as long downfield. But what's been interesting is a lot of the analytical community, just like watching from afar on Twitter has been debating this offseason if the pass rush is more valuable than pass coverage. Mm. And I think a lot of those people have settled on pass coverage being more important, which is interesting because I would always think it'd be the other way around. I, I think the teams in this division can really exploit 
the 49ers defense, including the Cardinals, too, if they bring a modern NFL passing game. So I think all the divisional games are going to be tough because I think the Rams are going to be able to tear them up, and I think the Seahawks are going to be able to tear them up. By the way, so there's three games out of the three games, and you have a week four bye. Again, a week four bye sucks. I mean, it's hard to overcome because you are, you're breaking early, uh, and then they have the Browns at home, at the Rams, at the Redskins. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they could, they could go two and one in that, I guess. Uh, if, if you want to, if you want to give them that, then listen to this stretch. It basically closes out the season. Panthers at home, at the Cardinals, Seahawks at home, Cardinals at home, Packers at home, at the Ravens, at the Saints, Falcons at home, Rams at home, at the Seahawks. That, that's the rest of their season. I don't know if this team is getting to eight wins. It, okay, that was, I feel like it was like two weeks ago that I had some hot. It was the one where you had a lot of energy, and I was feeding. Remember, I was <laughs> that like one show. You you've done, yeah, you've that done, one done. time when you actually brought your A game. That um, brief well, thirty I, seconds I said, when I, I was hooked like on that. The Forty ers have, have a better chance, I think, to finish in last place in this division than they do first. Or I think I might have even said they have a better chance to end up with the first overall pick. So do I have, that, do I have no energy today? Division. Do I have no energy today? So like, what's the deal? You're, you're like at normal energy. There was okay. one podcast where you were noticeably fired up. Yeah, I was fired up. I don't know what I, Oh yeah. Maybe I should have my wife yell at me more often. Um, should be noted yeah, that we have to stare at Sean wearing a tank top today. That could sap anyone's energy. Sean has a, uh, noticeable, uh, Austin Powers little like mid chest fluff. It's not quite as high as mine. So you got nothing. Like mine's like up at the top. Like mine rolls up at the neck by my chest hair. Ryan's about to log off if we keep talking. Ryan Ryan plucks his chest hair every day. I do what? Ryan shaves his chest. Oh yeah. True or false, Ryan? No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. All right, let's go. Cardinals. Uh, Let me guess. Hold on. Let me guess. Uh, Sean, you feel free to guess too. Six and a half. Oh. Six. Five. Ooh, wow, that's a good one. Yeah. I feel like I gotta go over on five though. Well, uh, the, um, if you go to like, I use NFL.com schedules just cause it's, you can just plug the team in at the top when you want to change teams. Cardinal, like, they do like a little blurb at the top for each team. It's like QB battles, highlight so and so season. And Cardinals is just Cardinals to face difficult slate of opponents in 2019. It's like, <laughs> not great, Bob. I mean, like, you couldn't throw something in there about Kyler Murray. Um, the, look, doesn't this all just come down to if Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is the genius? Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. He can't be worse than Steve Wilkes, right? No, that was, I mean, I'm, I don't want to like go overboard on how bad that team was, but it was one of the most unwatchable teams of the last. They were eight and eight a year ago with no quarterback and Steve Wilkes came in and blew it up. Couldn't figure out how to use David Johnson. They had to fire Mike McCoy in the middle of the season because he couldn't figure out how to use David Johnson and Byron Leftwich had nothing left to work with. Josh but, Rosen had no, uh, he, you know, the guy was, go ahead. Do you know how hard it is to go three and 13 and still outperform your win, expe- your win expectancy? <laughs> And they did that. They were supposed to win less than three games based on their points uh, scored and points yeah. allowed. Yeah, I mean, it was it was. They got to over five. You would think so. Um, I mean, they they scored six points the first two weeks of the season. Six points. They were one of the worst offenses I've ever. They scored less than ten points. Ten points or less five times last year. They scored fourteen points or less. Their season high nine times, nine times, fourteen points or less. Their season high came against 
the team I was just talking about, 49ers in that terrible secondary. Unbelievable. And one of their three wins. They beat the uh, the Packers, of course, in Lambeau. They swept the 49ers last year, which is yeah, so Their season high in passing yards in the game came against the 49ers. Over under 250 yards. Jesus. Must have been under if you said it. 233 yards. They threw for more than 200 yards three times all season long. And they were losing in all these games. So keep in mind, they were, they had to throw. Okay. So look, here's the, I mean, like, and that's what I'm telling you, like, there's the most unwatchable team in the last five years because you would, they'd be down 21 nothing and they just wouldn't muster any points. Like when you're down, when you're losing by three scores in the NFL, you can usually slap together something, like something of, uh, of note. They could do nothing. Nope. And, and so I think from that perspective, Kingsbury is an, is an easy upgrade. Like he is going to make them better just because of his ability to f- run a functioning offense. Kyler Murray will be more exciting. He'll be more mobile. They'll get him out and use his legs. He'll throw it down the field. I like the over on this team just because it's so low. Like again, this was one of the worst teams we've seen in a long time. They still managed to win three games. I, I think that this team will probably go over, uh, five, although, I get why you could fade them. They have three of their first four games are at home to start the season. Lions, then they're at the Ravens. Panthers, Seahawks at home. At the Bengals. Win. Falcons at home. You hate the uh, Bengals. in here. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, they're going into the week 12 bye. This is kind of brutal. At Giants, at Saints, 49ers at home, at Buccaneers, at Saints. Four of five on the road. But that means they open, they get three games at home. Rams, Steelers, Browns out of the bye. And then at Seahawks, at Rams to close. It is, it's What's not. the Giants game? Uh, week seven, DJ versus oh. KM. So yeah, DJ won't be in there yet. I bet. Uh, maybe. Um, if the Giants are that, if the, if, D, if Daniel Jones is in there, that means the Giants are terrible. If Eli Manning is in there, it means the Giants are terrible. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say. Play. I was really going to stop you there. Uh, also worth pointing out, um, the biggest offseason signing perhaps of the National Football League, the Cardinals got Kevin White, Sean's favorite <laughs> player. But they also drafted Andy Isabella. They drafted Akeem Butler and they drafted Keyshawn Johnson on Fresno State. So three wide receivers that they expect to have immediate impact. So, you know, they're ramping up this offense to do whatever Cliff Kingsbury wants to do. It starts with Kyler Murray. Uh, so Sean joked about the 233 yards, I think, was the highest passing total of the yeah. year last year. Yeah. How long until Kyler Murray gets north of that? Also, what's it over under 315 passing yards week one against the Lions for Kyler Murray? Ooh, that's, that's 315? I think under on that. That's a lot. I don't think so. I think the over. I'll take the over. I think that line secondary also isn't that great. Well, that means he's going to run for – that's going to be 400 total yards by the time he gets done running. He's going to be – I'm telling you, he's going to be like Cam Newton or Deshaun Watson. People are scrambling to pick – like, he actually, he's not going to be like them because they went undrafted in fantasy, and now, like, everybody's – like, I saw, like, Brad Evans at Yahoo, who I like is a good dude, but has, like, Kyler Murray – I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Brad. I like him. Um, But he has, uh, he has Kyler Murray fifth in his quarterback rankings. I was just going to say, like, He's going to be a week one draftable, startable fantasy guy, isn't he? Just because of volume and even if they're losing. That's why I think, I think the Lions can put up points against that defense. And that's why I think Murray's just going to, even if they're down a lot, he's just going to be throwing every single down. Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury led FBS in, uh, plays run two year, the last two seasons. They're going to run a lot of plays. David, David Johnson in PPR leagues is going to be out of control too. Yeah. Also yeah. worth noting, uh, Texas Tech fired Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> that's worth noting. And then Arizona hired. <laughs> is that how, so that's how he ended up as the Cardinals coach. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is pretty rare to get fired by a mid-level power five football program. And like, he like had Patrick Mahomes and, and like put up 14 points against Iowa State or. By the way, if, if Cliff Kingsbury looked like, uh, Rob Ryan, 
he would not be the head coach of the <laughs> That's a good point. The Cardinals, by the way, were making fun of like the Bengals for hiring Zach Taylor and for the Sean McVay connection. The Cardinals were the team in their actual press release on their website had a paragraph about how Cliff Kingsbury is, quote, friends with Sean McVay. Yes. And then they did. took it down once everyone started tweeting it. Yeah, that's right. You you were the one who were jumping all over him for it. Um, I think there's some week one lines out. I will just – I'll say that I like this bet right now. Uh, the over-under for the Cardinals-Lions game, total points scored, how many do you think it is? Uh, you can guess, Sean, and then I'll guess. Oh, total points scored. Yeah, they're over-under. I'll guess. 45. 52. The over-under is 48. Oh, nice. Yeah. Split the difference. I would take the over. I think that's a good value pick. Because you're not at all worried about Kyler coming in there and just sort of being rusty and not good. Sure. Uh, I just, maybe he's not good. Maybe he's not that good. There's that too. People love that. I just think the volume that you're going to see from Cliff Kingsbury, Detroit can't prepare for it. And their secondary without Patrick Peterson. Matt Patricia is a rocket scientist. Can't stop anybody. I think I think that'll be a high-scoring game. Baltimore Miami, by the way, thirty-seven over under. That's a under. Score. Yeah, take the take the under now. I was going to get uh, what's that? Seventeen, eighteen safeties. <laughs> um, all right, that'll do it for us. We, uh, do we all do we agree completely on all four of these teams? Sadly, yes. Hmm. Do we all think the Seahawks are winning the division too? I feel I like do. we all. I think that the Seahawks will win the division, and I think that they are a good value pick to win the division. They are currently. Plus two eighty to win the division. So almost. Who finishes in last? Uh, the 49ers. Hard. Ooh, I'm That's on. I'm on say. the Sean wagon. All right, stole my thunder. No, yeah. I, I just said I'm on the Sean wagon. 49ers are going to win like five games. The Cardinals are going to win like six or seven. They're both not going to be very good. Uh, all right, that's the program. Be back tomorrow. I think we're doing something on the Cleveland Browns. We'll uh, we'll let you know tomorrow when you hear about it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks you guys for joining. Thank you.